In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday Athens Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Saunders, joined as always by my co-host, James Kim. And homie, I don't know how it's gotten here, but we're like uh, two weeks away from Thanksgiving, essentially, and the season is almost over. I mean, it, I'm kind of sad about it, um, but I'm trying to look forward to all the football, hopefully, that we still have in front of us. But don't you feel like this one's more so than most? I feel like it's kind of snuck up, snuck up on us, homie. It's always bittersweet at this point in time, especially because, I mean, we've got senior day coming up on Saturday. Um, last game for a lot of people we've become very fond of and you know have a lot of great memories of uh, between the hedges. And this season's gone by really, really fast, it feels like. And I think a lot of it has to do this year, especially because of the first quarter of the season, the first four home games that just didn't really feel like the season got going until October. Um, yeah. I feel like that if we would have had that Oklahoma game, um, the second week of the season really would have helped the season feel like it had started sooner. But I don't really feel like we've really felt like it started South Carolina a little bit, but I don't really feel like we feel like it started till the first week of October. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, look, it's it's here now, and there is a monster matchup on Saturday night game between the hedges. Number nine ranked Ole Miss coming to town. Certainly going to be a challenge for the dogs. Super exciting. College game day is in town. Uh, also, cool things going on with our partners this weekend. So Classic City Collective has two fantastic events. Uh, one tonight where they are having some songwriters, including our buddy Ray Fulcher, uh, at the High Bar, which is free to all Classic City Collective members, which another reason to join the 21 Club, folks. So get on that. Uh, that's going to be an awesome event. High Bar is one of my favorite spots in all the Classic City. And then they are hosting their tailgate tomorrow as well, which they've done each game day this year. And that's a great stop as well. So make sure and hit both of those events. Support Classic City Collective every way that you can. Make sure that we're filling the coolers all weekend with Peach State Light from your good buddy Jake. I mean, is there a better game day beer? I, I don't think so. It, like we always say, it's the unofficial beer of Georgia, but it should be the official beer of the tailgate. So make sure and get on that. And then look, man, it's the last Saturday in Athens of the season. Drop you one of those Haver Supply hats with that bold Saturday in Athens on it and rock it all over town during game day tomorrow. So make sure and support all of them, all three fantastic. We're so grateful to have them as partners this fall. They've just been more than more than good to us. So uh, we appreciate all of them. Um, all right, homie, we want to start with you. I was going to talk about the game, but a couple murmurs going on as it pertains to this weekend. One, Twitter has been, I would say, more active than normal with some seemingly, I don't know, assertions is the wrong word, but folks putting out some lots of innuendo that we may see some black jerseys on Saturday night. So that's the first thing. The other thing is, I mean, I've seen it from multiple places, different uh, organizations putting it out. Dude, I think 19 suiting up and going to be on the field on Saturday night. I mean, of those two things, which one do you think is more likely? Or do, are you feeling great that both of them are going to happen? I think it's more likely we see Brock on Saturday than we see black jerseys for senior night. Let's be realistic here. Um, I, I, unless somehow, some way, they're able to, uh, there's invasion of the body snatchers happen, and they replace Kirby with a double. <laughs> is are we going to see? Are we going to see black jerseys on Saturday? There is no way we're going to see black jerseys. There may be a blackout with the students, a blackout with the fans. There's no way we're going to see black jerseys on senior day, folks. It's just not going to happen. Um, I know the seniors probably want it for their last home game, but it's just not going to happen. So if it does happen, I will be the first to admit I'm wrong, but I'll be seriously shocked. Now with Brock, he's going to dress out. It's his last game between the hedges. Is he going to play? 
I would not be surprised. I would be shocked if it's more than a celebratory thing at the end of the game in victory formation or maybe a play for his last game between the hedges. I mm-hmm. don't think this is going to be like anything more than get him in the game for his last home game. Um, I'm not expecting any like packages for him. Is he close for a regular play? Yes. Is he close to being a hundred percent like he was before the injury? I don't think he's there yet. I think we're looking more Georgia tech sec championship game for him being back to a hundred percent. I think he's more like 75, 80% now is a 75, 80% Brock Bowers electric. Yes. But there's always that risk of re-injury with this type of injury. And I, I know Kirby, he's very cautious with this type of stuff. He's not willing to risk it. Now we also got to remember the old comparison with this has been Tua. And to his injury when he had the surgery, if Brock plays on Saturday, you know, meaningful snaps, that'll be 26 days since his surgery. Tua came back at 27 days, and Tua is a quarterback. So, now granted, he was a mobile quarterback, but Tua didn't run a, a whole lot after that injury. So, we've yeah. got to take that into consideration. There's just so many factors with this. I don't expect a lot from Brock if he does play, but I do expect some you know, honoring his legacy at Georgia. Cause let's be real folks. He's going to the NFL next year. This is the last time we're going to see him in Athens. Homie body snatchers got me, man. That, that got me. <laughs> I was stout. I didn't know. I didn't know that was coming. And boy, that got me. That tickled me pretty good, brother. <laughs> and I, I tend to agree with that. Like I, people seemingly feel pretty confident that it's going to happen. And I'm kind of with you, man. It just, it would strike me as very odd given what we've generally seen from Kirby. And I know people have brought up like, you know, the peach bowl from the COVID year and the Mississippi state game from the COVID year, but like, dude, nothing from 2020 counts. Like that's, that's all exhibition like that. I I don't know. I I just, any decisions that Kirby Paul smart made that year as it pertains to the uniforms, I just, I don't think it counts. So also I, I think too, they've never come out and said this, but, I think they had some type of contractual obligation with Nike to wear them at least one time that season because it was that new release with the collar, the dog collar. So I, I think that was part of it too. Um, And once it was out of the bag one time for Mississippi state, I think, you know, they were playing in the peach bowl. It's not a, you know, it's not a CFP thing. I think Kirby was kind of loose, but I'm like, yeah, we'll wear the black jerseys. No big deal. But yeah, man, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I don't foresee it happening. I mean, if it does, cool, man. I, I love that jersey. And I do think there's been so much unneeded weight put on the choice to wear it or not wear it. Like, homie, red and black are the school colors. Like, if we wear a black jersey, I just – I don't see what the the fuss is about. I know the traditionalists want red at home and they want white on the road. And that's cool. But, like, dude, the black jerseys are clean. And it looks good. And, like – it's a school color. So I don't have any problem yeah. with it. I think they'd I think they'd look great. And you know how I feel about looking good. I'm I'm right on board with Coach Prime, homie. So look good, play good, pay good, play good, get paid good. So if they want to rock them, I'm all for it. I'm kind of with you on the Brock thing too. I mean, he will definitely dress to your point. I mean, they want to honor him and honor his legacy. So that'll happen. I think Tennessee was always the game we had in mind that he would probably come back for. But don't you also feel like this is maybe like a if we need him type thing? Like if they feel that he's healthy enough and if there's a scenario in the second half where they feel like they need a jolt, maybe they use him in like a goal line scenario or something like that. I don't know. But I'm with you, man. Like it's a lot of movement and he's got a block and he's got to run. And I just think it's a different scenario than Tua. Like I, your, your point's granted. Like Tua was mobile, but I think it's different calculus with a tight end slash let's call him hybrid slot receiver than it is yeah. than it is to us. So yeah, I it seems a little um soon to me, but as we have said many times, Brock Allen Bowers is a freaking mutant. So, you know, maybe he's got some Wolverine in him. I don't know. I mean, it'd be great if he played, but I also think you know, it's not like the offenses look bad without him. It's not like one of those things where, oh, my God, we have to have him back. I, I want him to be healthy. And I'd much rather have exactly. him 100% in Atlanta than 80% in 
Saturday and then something happens, you know. Um, speaking of Saturday, okay, weather forecast, not ideal, I would say, although I did check this morning. I think throughout the week it had said that it was looking like there was going to be rain during the game, which gave me kind of flashbacks to what was it, Texas A&M 19 when we had that oh. rainy night game. Is that right? And Kentucky. Don't forget the Kentucky game. That was just yeah. a slugfest. But those were different and teams, so, though. Yeah, different team for sure. And, I mean, you and I haven't texted about this directly, but isn't it funny that that type of weather forecast as Georgia fans now gives us a little pause? Like, yeah, <laughs> times, they haven't changed, homie. Like, we're going, man, we, we got we to gotta sling it. We got to throw it. We, need, we, need, we don't want all this wind and all this rain and all this kind of stuff, right, where – even three, four years ago, we'd be like, yeah, okay, cool. We can do that. And I'm not saying we can't do that. I'm just saying it's different mechanics given how we've been constructed. I'm not so much worried about the rain as I would be the wind. Um, the yeah. I think they're calling for 15 to 20 mile per, mile per hour winds. That gives me more pause. That makes me think of the Kentucky game from last year um, in the wind tunnel. And mm-hmm. that that gives me more pause. Because um, the run game, now granted, I, I think Missouri's D-line is stout. But the run game last week was uh, two yards and, you know, fall down. And not intentionally, but, I mean, they just there were not holds last week. They're just, they were not. There was, I think, three holes all game, and we scored a touchdown on one and had 15-plus yard runs on the other, and everything else was a two- to three-yard game. So it was just or negative yards. I mean, we had a lot of negative plays last week because of their D line. Their D line was just beating up our O line. And I don't. Everybody says that Ole Miss Miss's D line. I I have not watched a lot of Ole Miss football. I'll be completely honest. I've watched them two games all season, and they did not in both their two games. They were not as impressive on the defensive side of the football for me. Um, Yeah. So I don't know how their D-line is. A lot of people say their D-line is really good. Are they Missouri good? I don't know. Missouri has taken our offensive line to the woodshed the last two years. So it's gonna that's going to be the key for the game for me is how we run the football because Missouri's offense to me is not as dynamic on the road. I don't know if you have you seen their home and road splits. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, it's not it's good. They like are they're, they are they're not a good road team. They're averaging, I think, like nineteen or twenty less points and two hundred less yards on the on the yep. road. So um, I think that's going to play a big factor in this game. So, and I don't think it's going to be because we're going to keep the ball from them. I, I really think that you know we're going to be able to control them you know, a lot better on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So what our offense can do. Is really going to be key in this game, obviously. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I'm glad you brought up the defensive side of the ball for Ole Miss because I'm not. I don't have pause or really concern about what we're going to do offensively. I think we're going to be fine. I mean, homie, would they give up 28 points to Texas A&M's offense last week? I mean, I know they gave up more points than that, but then they have a block kick in there somewhere, um, something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, dude, A&M stinks out loud, and so I, I'm not worried about our offense. Like I. I'm just not like that is the one thing I feel good about. They're going to score. It's going to be fine. You know, they had the blip last week in the second quarter where they went three and out on two straight possessions, which how spoiled rotten are we where everybody's going, Oh my God, the world's ending. Cause we went three and out on two back-to-back possessions. <laughs> like <laughs> we just, we just have it so good. And I feel like sometimes we lose sight of that, but like, dude, the offense is, just been really steady. And, and I think a big reason for that has been Carson, man. Like, I I just still don't think he's getting enough due for his role in all this success, right? Like, I think people have kind of minimized, like, well, it's just a well-oiled machine and he stepped right in. No, man, if you watched him game one to where he is now, man, he has really grown and progressed. I thought he made good checks again last week. And, like... Dude, he had a great second half. Like, that's the other thing. When when it has mattered, he has played really well. He played really well in the second half against Auburn, played really well in the second half last week. Like, I, dude, he's – I'm not worried about the offense. They 
they are in a good spot. I am a little nervous about how Ole Miss's offense is constructed and the weapons they have in Quinshawn Judkins and Jackson Dart and the issues we have had from an edge perspective on defense. And then, oh, let's also throw the wrench into that. That pop's not going to play, right? And so those things all make me a little nervous. But the flip side of that is, don't you feel like our D-line has been better the last two weeks, given, I think, better running games, better offensive lines? So I I don't know, man. I'm, I'm kind of up in the air on that. Like, are, Do you have anxiety about their offense, or do you feel good about how our defense matches up with them and all those type things? I have the same concerns you do. I mean, we we struggle setting the edge. Um, it's I mean, we let's be realistic. We've struggled setting the edge since Nolan got hurt last year. That's been mm-hmm. an issue, and yeah. it's that that's that is our Achilles' heel right there. Running quarterback, setting the edge. That's our issue. Mm-hmm. That was our, and it's been evident anytime we played a running quarterback. So, um, if if I, you know, I'm always the eternal pessimist. So if we make the SEC championship game, that's going to be the biggest issue when we face Alabama, you know, with no, yeah, so, yeah. So, well, let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, but the defensive line has played better. Ole Miss's offensive line is not very good. Jackson Dart and, is what makes that. And the right tackles broke his foot. So he is correct. Has that been yeah. confirmed? That has been confirmed. Okay. I'm not texting you about uh, I, it, but could, I, I'm not gonna say confirmed. I've seen it multiple times, so I'm just assuming okay. that it's real. But but no, I haven't seen like an official release or like an AP story or anything like that saying that you know he's okay. out. He's not gonna play. So if he's out, from what I've read, he's their best run blocker. So if he's out, that's a huge loss for them. Being their best run blocker, he's accordingly. Apparently, he's their best run blocker, not very good in pass blocking. But losing their best run blocker against our D-line is not good. So, And our D-line has played great against Florida. I thought they played great last week. And they played great last week against a team that runs the ball really well. Now, granted, we gave up some rushing yards and some big chunk plays. And in the second half, that third quarter, we Schrader, Schroeder, whatever his name is, had some big runs. Um, consistent runs. They they weren't huge runs, but he was getting like seven, eight yards of pop there for a little bit. But Missouri runs the football really well. Missouri's yeah. a good football team, and I think we discount that a lot because of how spoiled we are, and we think of it's Missouri. So, yeah. and I mean, we even did that at the beginning of the season. Like I remember we picked K State, Missouri. We thought there was no way Missouri's going to beat K State. Hundred percent. So, yeah, we thought Will Howard and, would run wild all day, and it didn't happen. Yeah. So I just feel like that it's one of those things like Missouri's a good, solid football team. Drinkowitz, even the doofus that he is, is a very good coach. So they they get throw they get discounted a lot. Now with with Mississippi, Kiffin's a very good offensive coach, but it's Lane Kiffin. I feel like he's gonna get in his head a little bit in this game, especially if the dogs get up early. The dogs get up early in this game, and Dart doesn't do well if he gets smacked around a little bit. He gets up, he gets a little cocky, if he, especially if he gets a like a nine, eight, eight, nine yard run. And but if you smack him around a little bit, he crumbles. Look at the Alabama game this year. So I'm not. I think our D line against their O line is a plus us. And I think that our D line is going to be able to eat their lunch. I think Williams and Walker are going to have a field day. That man, can we talk about Jalen Walker for a second? Like, for me, man, he has been a post bye week revelation. Like, I feel like he has grown so much, and he has become now. You can't not watch him when he's on the field. Like, if I see eleven come on through, my like, oh, something about to happen. I mean, yeah. dude, he's just flashing everywhere and making plays and disrupting things. And I think his emergence will help offset some of the, the pop loss. I mean, look, it's a big stinking loss. Okay. But like, I like CJ Allen and I I think CJ Allen will do a nice job. Kind of reminds me of, um, remember when Monty Rice played as a freshman? He reminds me of Monty a little bit. I think they move similar. Like they, I don't know. I like CJ. I think he's gonna be a really good player. I think he's got he's kind of got that Monty Rice mold to him a little bit. CJ reminds me a lot of Rameek Wilson. Oh, I could see that. 
Yeah, I could see he that. He reminds me a lot. I mean, I'm going back in the memory bank here, but that's his fluidness and the way he flows. I like that's that's who he reminds me of. Now, granted, he, he's I think he's Vermeek's size now as a true freshman. Yeah. Um. So he's probably going to get bigger, but that's who he reminds me of today. Like just the way he moves. Now, granted, he's he's a true freshman, so he's going to take a little bit of seasoning, but the biggest loss with pop is the experience, the knowing where to be. And that's, you know, that's not going to fall on smile. So that loss is the bigger loss for me. Now pop's great. Don't, I'm not discounting pop pop ever since we talked about pop looks slower. He has, it's like it flipped a switch. And I mean, he even admitted it in the media that, you know, when his post-game press conference that, you know, he knows that he's got to do better and he's done better. He's played great yep. since that game. I can't remember what game it was, but he's played great. And he, that loss is going to be huge, but he's going to be that guy, that coach on the sidelines. They come off. He's going to be talking to those kids. Um, who's the other one that they said is going to get a lot of playing time besides Allen? Uh, Xavier. I think it's supposed to get playing time. Yeah. Okay. Which so I think it's uh, apparently apparently he was not dressed out last week, had like a personal issue or something. So I don't know what went on with that, but apparently he's back with the team and dressing Saturday. So but yeah, that that's the other name I've heard that's gonna get snaps. Okay. So I feel like that I mean we've we're the talent is there. It's yeah. just the experience isn't there right now with without yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, to your point, you're just you're losing that experience and you're losing that leadership. I mean, dude, pop calls the defense. <laughs> like, you can't you can't discount that. Um, <clears throat> but it's I don't know if I texted you this or texted Chris this, but dude, it's, it's next man up. I mean, it just is what it is. This happens. Yeah. People get injured. Next man up. That that's just that that is what it is. We're not going to complain about it. There's plenty of talent on that roster, to your point. Somebody got to step up and do their job. DYJ, baby. So that's it. I mean, I I feel great about where the depth sits. And I think, too, and I know he's gotten some flack, and you and I texted about it a little bit. You know, Dalen had some tough, I think, matchups last weekend. And some of those tough matchups and the results provided opportunity for Julian Humphreys. And I think it's making both of them better. I mean, dude. If you go back and look at some of those plays where Dalen got quote unquote beat, he didn't have terrible coverage, right? Like he was there. I thought on the Luther touchdown, I do think Luther pushed off on him. Um, I didn't think that was, you know, like a busted coverage or he was out of sorts or anything. And then, dude, a couple of those back shoulder fades, he's right there and like trying to ball guard and just barely misses the ball, you know? Like I, I guess I feel way better about his performance after rewatching some of it than I did live. Cause I was getting frustrated live. Yeah. And that's on me, but yeah, I think him did him and Julian are going to be very good players. I mean, you know, I am a big time fan of number 12 and I thought he played pretty good on Saturday. My biggest issue with Dalen is I don't feel like he's as physical at the line of scrimmage that he needs to be. I feel like if he was just a little bit, I feel like he gives too easy of a release at the line of scrimmage. So that's, that that's been in my rewatch of most games this season, when I'm trying to focus on plays that he's been quote unquote beat or given up, um, you know, back shoulder phase or whatever. If he doesn't quite stay in the hip pocket as well, because he gives a release, like he gets hands on, but it's not, it's like, you know, hand and release or what, what I, I don't know the correct terminology for cornerbacks or defensive backs. So he just doesn't get good hands on the defensive back. Like Kamari gets hands on him. Those hands are staying on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Until it gets to the, the penalty range and then he's right there in their hip pocket. So it's just one of those things. Um, I mean, now granted, Dalen's young too. It's one of those things. It'll come with experience, I think. Yeah. I know he got a lot of playing time last year. He's been playing the majority of the team. We're seeing, we're dealing with the growing pains, and we are going to reap the rewards of this hopefully at the end of this season and next season for Dalen. 
Humphrey's come a long way. I mean, Humphrey wasn't supposed to be on this team this year. Humphrey was gone at the end of last season. And look at how far he's developed this year. So Humphrey is going to be Kamari's role last year. I've been saying that since fall camp. He is going to be in Kamari's role next year. Dalen's probably going to stay where he is. Humphrey's going to be there. And Humphrey is going to take over that number one corner role. Dude, he, he's a unit, man. And, like, uh, to your point, I, I think the same thing with Dalen. I think it's a, it's a youth thing, you know. And, like, they're just getting experience. And come next season, boy, and maybe even by postseason, I think that's the other thing is the season is kind of like two seasons within one. You have this, like, first stretch here. And I think you really see it post-SEC championship weekend when you get into the postseason. Guys really kind of – start to come into their own, I think, a little more. And then it's almost like the start of their next season is that is that playoff experience. So, yeah, I, I feel good about where all that sits. And, like, dude, the fact that Kamari's injury was just back spasm, but I also, like, unswallowed my tongue because that was one where, ooh, I was nervous. Like, he's the, he's the one for me where you can't lose him, right? Although I do think what they would do, and you tell me if you think I'm crazy on this. I think if Kamari was out, they would roll Javon down and have Javon play. I think so too. One guy was. Yeah. I I don't I think, think so they too. would roll. I don't think they would roll Dalen and uh Julian out. I think they would just roll Javon down and then you'd probably see DDS get more playing time or somebody like that, right? Like I yeah. Which what a testament to Javon Bullard, right? I mean, kid's a stud. Um, all right, dude. Let's pick some games, man. I don't I don't know what we're picking. My boy was on the picks this week. I'm picking blind. He's reversed the tables on me from last week. Although, did we have a pretty good week last week? I had a good week in the pool. Seven and two. Seven and two. Get yep. some. Seven and two. Seven and two last week. Our two losses were the dogs and the gators. Tough. <laughs> we picked Tough. We picked the gators. Uh, the one time see? we picked the damn gators. Yeah, life lesson: never pick the freaking never gators. That's the that's gators. on us. That's that's yeah, totally that, on us. That's on us. Yeah, so, that's so. that's tough. Boy, did we call that freaking Alabama game though? Oh yeah, we did. So um, I mean, oh, I, you, complete, you, you give me you give me Nick Saban over Brian Kelly every day of the week and twice on Saturday. Yeah. I, it, how sick are you hearing about this damn targeting, non-targeting call on Jalen Daniels? Can we just can oh, we move dude. on from it? I have had to, in all honesty, there's been so many things that have been on Twitter this week related to college football that I just I don't have any appetite for. So I've just kind of I've been away from the fold this week. Like it's just all been stuff that I don't uh I, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. What's that yeah. what's that meme or that TikTok background like, I don't care. That's that's how I feel about all of it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. That's where I'm at with it. Okay. Seven and two. Well, Get some. Your boy went eight and seven two in the and pool. Two. Well, awesome. So yeah. I have no idea what I did. I've stopped. I picked the games and I stopped looking because so, it's been it's been rough. <laughs> Just trying to get my back to five hundred in the pool and be respectable. Yeah. yeah, my wife's kicking my butt and she reminds me every week. So that's that's all I I know. What's going on? So oh, I love that. Um, we're starting off with probably one of the bigger games of the week. We're starting off with the Michigan-Penn State game. Uh, mm-hmm. Drew Aller coming off probably his best game of the season. Michigan embroiled in this scandal, um, quote-unquote, whatever you want to call it, signed stealing scandal. I'm so sick of hearing about it. I could care less at this point. Make a damn decision. Don't make a decision. Fans need to just get over it. It is what it is. I, I don't care anymore. Did they steal signs? Same. Yes. It, it is what it is. Michigan's a good football team with or without the signs. Who cares? Michigan going to Happy Valley. They're a four and a half point favorite. Who you got? Oh, man. This is this is so tough for me because I had really bought into Penn State. And I think we both picked them to go in and at least cover when they went to Columbus. And I don't know, man. That offense just seems fraudulent to me. Like, I I just don't trust them to score points. And so there is no chance, even at home, that I am picking Penn State. Like, dude, I just think Michigan's a better football team. And it seems to me, too, that 
from the beginning of the year, even before the sign stealing stuff started, when Harbaugh was suspended, that they kind of, I don't know, man, they seem to like being the bad guy, right? Like they all kind of unified around the Harbaugh suspension. Remember JJ McCarthy's like wearing his old Jersey out to midfield for the opening game. And like, so they seem like they're a unit. So man, I don't really have any concerns about how Michigan is or how Michigan's going to play. They came out last week and dump truck Purdue. And so I, yeah, man, I, I like Michigan in this game. I think they are hands down the best football team in the big 10, which not like that's saying a whole lot, but um, yeah, I, I like them to cover this number. I think they win straight up, and I think they cover. I, I do not trust Penn State's offense at all. For me, this game has absolutely nothing to do with Michigan and everything to do with Penn State. Mm-hmm. Penn State's offense is is garbage. They yeah. they just are. They run the football. They're mediocre running the football. Their passing game is pretty much non-existent against a defense with a pulse. And Michigan's got one of the best defenses in college football. Michigan's going to going to go into happy valley and you know we love bear um here and bear said that his, the last two times that they've been facing a top 10 team at home or something like that that they've kept they've covered um or something like that it was they lost by one and by three against michigan um and against ohio state like in the last 10 years and i'm like okay but or when they both been top 10 teams that's what it was I, this 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 Penn State team just doesn't have the offense to keep up with them. Penn State's defense nope. is really good. It's going to keep them in the game some. It's going to keep them in the game early. But I feel like Michigan is just going to pull away at the end. This game very well could go, um, like, start slow, kind of like how the Ohio State-Michigan game did last year. And Ohio, Michigan just pulled away late at the end. Um, could be like that. But I don't think Mich- oh, Penn State is going to score enough in the beginning to make it, you know, that close. So I've got Michigan kind of running away with this one. Yeah. Um, next one is on here strictly because of the fact that I want to see how Bama looks after the big win last week. Bama going to Kentucky. They're favored by 10.5, coming off the big win against LSU, winning by 14. Milrow playing his best game of his career, running for four touchdowns. Would he have 178 yards rushing, something like that? It was yeah. something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, throw the ball really well as well. I mean, just had an excellent game going on the road, Kroger field, Kentucky Stoops has a good program, but this is not a, his best Kentucky team. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. The spread here is interesting though. Alabama is only a 10 and a half point favorite. I know. I, this is one of the lines that I saw. It stinks out loud to me Mm -hmm. because Everything in my being says to put all of my life savings on Alabama to cover that yeah. number. Yeah. Like it, it, there is nothing in the world to me from what my two eyes have seen in the 2023 college football season that indicates Alabama is only 11 points better than Kentucky. Like I, I do not understand it. Not one bit. Although I will say this to your point about coming off a big win. Uh, did you see the story about how apparently Nick Saban said, I had scolded Miss Terry this week because woke up Sunday morning and Miss Terry looks over at me and goes, it's going to be really hard winning at Auburn. And he goes, Auburn? We got to play Kentucky this week. <laughs> Which cracked me up. Um, yeah. So anyways, obviously Coach Saban not looking ahead, but I do think to your point, there's there's some of that there. It's just, man, homie, we saw Kentucky play. Like, what about that offense scares you? And the answer is nothing. And so, like, man, I, I have said this for weeks, weeks. You know, okay? You have the receipts on this. People are underestimating that offense with Jalen Milrow. Like, homie, he is electric. And I know he was making some mistakes and had these turnovers and people, like, scratching their head. Like, look, it's all part of it, okay? He has just dynamic written all over him. And so, dude, I think they're going to do whatever they want. I think they're going to dunk truck Kentucky on Saturday. So, yeah, give me the tide all day. And I caveat all that with the line still stinks out loud. But, yes, give me the tide all day long. 
I completely agree. I I put this on here strictly because of the line because it just it something's weird about it. It's fishy, and I, I think they're I think Vegas is expecting a letdown here and maybe a backdoor cover by Kentucky. But Kentucky's offense is just I don't know. As not long as good. Devin Leary's the quarterback there, I'm not worried about it. I think Mama rules in this one. I think this is a you know three four score game. Um, I I think by the fourth quarter we're seeing. I don't even know who their backup is now. Is it Buckner? Is it the uh, is it Simpson? Who knows? I think we're seeing who knows one of the one of those two in the um in the fourth quarter. I Bama rolls in this one. Um, moving on to our 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 darling, darlings from from your siblings, Texas Tech going to um the booth play KU, KU yeah. coming off another another win here when the, which we didn't understand the spread last week. This one, um, they're a three-and-a-half-point favorite over Texas Tech at home. Who are you liking this one? Yeah, it's funny, man. Baby Sis came over last week, watched college football with me, and we stayed up and watched the KU game Saturday night after the dogs played. Dude, that's a big win, man. Like, I think if you're not crazy about college football and don't follow it, like, going to Ames and getting a win has been a very difficult endeavor for the KU program. And Matt Campbell does a nice job there. Uh, they're playing, I think, a freshman quarterback, and you could tell he's not quite there yet. So I think KU obviously had that going for him. But, homie, to have a huge win like they did over Oklahoma and then flip it around, go on the road to Ames, and then, dude, it's not like that game was ever really in doubt for them. I mean, they pretty much controlled that game start to finish. I think Jason Bean is getting more and more comfortable, and I think the team is kind of – Settled is the wrong word, but I think they've just kind of figured out, like, look, with Jalen's injury, he probably not going to play, right? And yeah. so we we got to line up behind Jason and figure this out. And, like, homie, he was a sprinting champion in Texas. He can fling the ball. I, I thought he did a nice job last week limiting mistakes. Um, they have a hard time with Texas Tech, too. I don't think their history with them is great. But I like them, man. I like what they've got cooking. They, they are a very opportunistic defense. Um, they have the penchant to give up some points, but they also turn people over. They had a defensive touchdown again last weekend. So, I mean, I just kind of like what they have going on. And if they win out and some things happen, they still have a path to the Big 12 title game. So they got a lot to play for. Yeah, man, Brock Chalk Jayhawk, wave the wheat, baby. I'm going with Kansas, too. This Texas Tech team, though, they're – they're interesting. I mean, they mm-hmm. play Oregon beginning of the season, take them to the wire, and then they turn around and they get blown out by teams in the Big 12 that they're better than. Like, they're yep. just – they make no sense whatsoever. They're And this is one thing I, I've noticed from, do, from doing the research on the game last night. They are a much better home team than they are away team. They play much yep. better – um, they, they, they are not a good road team at all. So I think KU probably wins by more than three and a half. This is another one though. I don't understand the spread KU coming off of two big wins and they're only favored by three and a half against a team that plays terrible on the road. I don't get it. Like, I, this is another one. I will not be touching with real money. Um, most of these games on this pick sheet, I will not be touching with real money this week. This is a funky, this is a, this is a week to, to save your money folks, because this is a weird week for, uh, for gambling. Um, this is a huge rivalry game in the ACC. This is on here because I needed a pick, and we love rivalry games. Um, Miami going to the Doke, uh, playing FSU. Uh, FSU is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. FSU just finds ways to win. They they cover, they win. They win by a, a good number, but they don't look as impressive doing it as you would think. Like, the score, the box score looks good. But if you watch the games, they the eye test isn't there as much as it was in the beginning of the season. For, so who you got in this? This is, this is this is a tough one. Did I send you the video of Keon Coleman's ideal pregame meal? Did I send you this video? Mm-mm, no. Homie, I, I'll I will send it to you as soon as we get off this episode. It was like it was like you and me at the McDonald's drive-through window post night out in college. Like, oh god, just give me every just please give me everything on the menu with a large Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and that's his like, pregame dude, meal. Oh, dude, just an, a McDonald's meal of epic proportions. So, oh, I will send god. it to you. Uh, it made me laugh out loud. It also tells me that he's super powered because he's he's firing on all those cylinders. So, um, yeah, it, also, uh, McDonald's need to re- 
they need to reach out to Keon Coleman get get my get my dude a NIL, NIL deal, man. Like that cracked me up. That was so so funny. Um, yeah, so it's it's at Dope, which I think is great for FSU. I think Miami is a lot different team when they play at home. Um, I don't know what a weird team, right? Like I still haven't gotten over the uh, victory formation that wasn't that they then fumbled away the game and how different might their season look if that had all materialized as it, as it should have. They certainly got talent, man. What's a kid at quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke, Tyler I mean, Van Dyke. Yeah. Dude, he could spin it, man. And they, and they have scored points in games. I just, I think this is a Jimmy's and Joe's thing. And I think Florida state has the better Jimmy's and Joe's and you give me that plus home field advantage and all Florida state has to play for. I like them, man. Give them, give me the Knowles to cover that, to cover that number. I am going to take Florida State as well. I'm not very, I'm not very confident in this pick, but I'm t- I'm going with the home team, and I think Florida State's going to win. But this this just screams backdoor cover for me. Like it's like a 17 point game, and they score a late touchdown. That this just screams backdoor cover. I don't know why I, I because because of Tyler Van Dyke and the offense that Miami has. This is one of those like. You, you know, uh, TikTok videos um, on on uh, Sunday where it's like, you know, you know, someone smashed their team, smashing their TV on Sunday or Saturday night videos like that I can see happening. Um, <laughs> but it's I'm going with FSU. I like I said, I won't touch this game with real money. Um, 330 kick uh, game. This this is one of the more intriguing games of the week for me and one I'm more excited to watch the three. 330 slate, let's be honest, has a couple of intriguing games. Um, one yeah. in the SEC, one in the Pac-12. Um, Tennessee going to play Missouri. Tennessee's favorite in this game, uh, one-and-a-half-point favorites, which after the way Missouri played last week, I know in a loss, but playing the way they did against the Dogs, kind of this spread kind of surprised me. I figured this would be in a pick em or maybe minus one Missouri, but Missouri's uh, Tennessee's actually um, a road favorite here. Yeah, this this is tough for me. I think I think a lot of this line hinges upon the health of Luther Burden. Um, he obviously was not the same after he tweaked the ankle yeah. um, there in the end zone in Sanford, and so I think that's a big piece of it, right? That he is he is their V eight engine, and so if he's not raring to go, they look a little different. Now, the flip side of that is. They still got Theo Weiss. They still got Mookie Cooper. They still got Cody Schrader. They still got Brady Cook. Like that Mizzou offense is better than that Tennessee offense. I will argue that with anybody. Um, I also think, man, that Mizzou defense is perfectly equipped to defend what Tennessee wants to do offensively. You know, we didn't bust big shots on them last week at all. I mean, if we went back and looked at the explosives, I bet. I bet it was one of the lower explosive weeks of the season for us. Um, it just wasn't a lot of huge chunks, all those type things. So I thought they did a nice job. I thought they played disciplined. And I also think last week for them, even though they lost, has to be proof of concept, right? That we, we're we a good football team. And, yeah, man, I like Mizzou. I think they are a underrated football team and – I think they're better than Tennessee. So I, I love them at home. Uh, I'm going with um, Mizzou as well. And for me, it's a strength versus strength. And we're going to see which strength wins because Tennessee's strength this year has been running the football. And mm-hmm. I think Mizzou's strength is stopping the run. Even though they had been gashed a couple of games this year, I still think their defensive line, their front seven, is the strength of that football team. And we're going to see which one is better this week. It's going to show us, you know, who has the stronger front. Is it the front seven of Missouri or is it the, um, the front five of Tennessee? So we're going to see quickly. But I think Missouri at home, I think this is, you know, Missouri still has a lot to play for. So, yeah. And so does Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee, you know, weird things happen, still has a shot to get uh, to Atlanta. So, yep. I'm going to go with, um, but I'm going to take the Tigers. I think that they're going to win. Um, I still I don't understand the spread at all. I like I said I thought it'd be a pick 'em. I mean essentially it's a pick 'em, but a home dog, you know, you would think it'd be the other way around. Yeah. Um one of my another one of my favorite matchups of the week, 
you probably figured that I was going to love this matchup. Utah going to Washington. Washington's an eight-point home favorite. Um, Utah's great defense versus the great offense of Washington. And then you've got the, you know, movable object versus Utah's offense that can't, you know, score, you know, against dust. So who you got here? Man, I love the Huskies in this one. I think they've had a little lull, which I think happens. You know, I, I think they were a bored football team for a few weeks. I think they woke up when they had to play USC. That offense was on fire. Also, uh, y'all are welcome for us telling you to put your mortgage on the freaking over in that ball game. I mean, they almost hit it by halftime. So, uh, yeah, I, I love yeah. Washington in this. Utah cannot score. And, dude, homie, their defense and special team is going to have to score so many touchdowns, I think, just to stay in this. I, I just don't think it's real. I would have different feelings about this number in this game if it was at Utah. But Husky Me Stadium, too. that offense that offense is humming. It's November now. They can kind of taste it a little bit. They're also not in the top four, so I think they got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder about not being in that conversation yet. So, yeah, man, give me the Huskies and, and Michael Penix. I feel exactly the same. If this were at Utah, I'd feel more confident in in the number, even um, taking Utah. But Utah's this is solely on Utah's defense. I know Washington's defense has been just Swiss cheese all year, but Utah's offense just they don't they don't have it. They don't have it without Cam Rising. They just yeah. don't. And I, I know we talked about the medical redshirt before. I mean, we're not going to find out until after the season whether that's granted or not. So he's clearly not playing this year. That mm -hmm. That's clear at this point that he's not playing. So I, I like the Huskies at home. I think that the Huskies are going to look to make a statement this week. They feel Because the statement, even though they beat USC last week and they put up a ton of points, they still gave up a ton of points. Yeah. I know Utah's offense isn't that great. I think they're going to try to beat the doors off Utah. And I think they have the talent to do it. So... I like I like the Huskies in this one. This game is on here strictly for nostalgia purposes and the 2020 infamous shoe throw. Um, Florida going to Death Valley to play LSU. LSU is a 14-point favorite, and I, I, I had to put it on here because that just brings back happy memories for me. So who you got in this one? Yeah, man, you know, I, I know I your answer. So. <laughs> it, it's it's LSU for me, man, and I, I don't think it's particularly close. I think if if you're a Florida team that can't take care of Arkansas at the swamp, how on earth are you going to go into Death Valley and not get the doors blown off of you? I just LSU's offense is real. Um, I will say that I'll caveat this a little bit. Has is. Jane Daniels going to play or no? They haven't said. Um, I honestly don't think it matters. I, I really don't. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. You know, I after seeing him in the SEC title game last year, I got no problem with Garrett Nussmeyer. I mean, I think he can sling it with the best of them, and that offense will be just fine. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to take LSU. There's nothing in my being that says Florida is going to show up and do anything in that ball game. I should have – said the same thing last week when they played Arkansas. But anyways, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Bayou Bengals all day long in Death Valley. Yeah, I, I am too. I, there's really no analysis needed here. I, I I don't pick Florida for any reason, and then I picked them last week for being an idiot. And and <laughs> I think we picked Florida last week, let's be honest, was more an indictment against how Arkansas has looked this year, not because of how Florida's looked. And yeah, 100%. So, and we won't make that mistake again. So, Go Tigers. Um, next game on the list. Uh, Texas going to TCU. Qu Quinn Ewers is going to play this week uh, per reports. Uh, um, he's going to start. And Texas is an 11.5 point favorite going to uh, Texas Christian. Who are you liking this one? Yeah, man. I've, I've picked against Texas, I think, two or three straight weeks. And I've gotten burnt almost every time. So, this is one of those, I'm just trying to flip the mojo type things. I'm going to take the Longhorns. Uh, I do think they're a different football team with Ewers at quarterback, just because I think, I don't know, I think he I think he fits with what Sark wants to do, man. I, I still, 
I have thought this for a long time, and especially after he burnt us in 2020. But, dude, Sark's a really, really good play caller. And because of that, I think they always have a shot. And to your point, I mean, we've said this a bunch about some other teams. They've still got a ton to play for. So, yeah, man, give it to me. Hook them horns. I'm actually going to go the other way. I think yours is going to be rusty. Um, with a couple weeks off, and especially with the type of injury that he had, I think that Texas is going to win. I think Texas is a better football team, but I think it's closer than everyone thinks. Um, 11 and a half points going on the road. And I mean, Texas has, even with yours the last couple of weeks he was there, just they haven't looked as good. So um, I'm going to go with Texas Christian to cover this. I like it. This is a spot for me to pick up some ground, baby. Burn orange all day. <laughs> Uh, well, you, you still got quite a more to pick up, so I, I'll give you one. <laughs> yes, give me this. I've been getting my ass kicked for th- for three years, so I talk a little trash. So. Yes, one hundred percent. USC, USC, and Caleb Williams go into Autzen to play Oregon. Oregon is a fourteen and a half point favorite. I. I I got no justification for this line. I'm shocked. As I thought it was going to be 17 and a half. That's what I thought it was going to be. Um, and I saw it at 14 and a half, and I was like, that was immediately one of my picks on tally. That was one of my three picks. So um, I was shocked that it was 14 and a half. Uh, I, what does USC have to play for at this point? So um, who you got in this one? Yeah, this this is a weird one, man. I, I'm with you. What is what is USC's mission statement now? You know, a lot of murmurs about Lincoln Riley maybe trying to make the jump to the NFL. They fire Alex Grinch this week, which seems like that was one season too late. Um, yeah, they're just they're they're in a tough spot. I mean, I I don't know. I don't I don't I don't think that football team has an identity except we don't play defense. That's kind of the identity, which isn't a great one. This Oregon team, man, <laughs> post-Washington, you could make the argument that they have looked like one of the best teams in the country. I mean, I thought even in the Washington game, they looked like one of the best teams in the country. But Bo Nix has been playing great football. Dan Lanning has obviously got that defense right. Man, I think they are going to give Caleb Williams some problems. I mean, think about how harried he looked when he went and played that Notre Dame defense. And I think Oregon's defense is better than Notre Dame. So, yeah, give me the Ducks in this, man. I think it's a comfortable, comfortable win for them. Yeah, like I said, I'm taking Oregon. I think that's I think this is a three score game easy. I think it's going to be I think it's gonna be over quick. I, I and I, I don't think with the mindset that USC has, I don't you punch him in the mouth once, unless USC gets up early, I don't see any reason for them to put up a fight in this one. There's just yeah, this could be Colorado ugly. This could be Colorado ugly for them. It's just there's just nothing for them to there's no reason. They're just playing out the season at this point. That's really what they're doing. Yeah. Um, they've got they have no shot at the New Year's Six Bowl. There's you know, there's too many murmurs and rumors going around around that program for them to really, uh, really put up a fight at this point. Unfortunately, so, so um, you know, I hate it for them. But you know, I don't really like Lincoln Ross, so um, we'll see what happens. But I don't feel sorry. for after all the stuff he's done and the game we're all here for to talk about big one between the hedges Ole Miss going to play the dogs Georgia is a 10 and a half point favorite is what we're going with I've seen it as low as nine and a half and I've seen it as high as 11 and a half but we're gonna go right in the middle at 10 and a half which is what it is on most books so who you got? yeah look man let's have a, let's have an honest conversation okay the dogs have not been great against the spread this year. I mean, that's just that them's the facts, folks. So double digit spread at home against a top 10 team, like, yeah, the number gives me a little bit of pause just because it hasn't been their MO. The flip side of this is I think that that Mizzou team was always probably better situated to give the dogs a run for their money than Ole Miss, just because Mizzou had a better defense. And as we have talked about a ton, and I know he even brought it up this week, but, dude, I just feel like Lane can't get out of his own way. Even if he knows he needs to get out of his own way, I don't know that it's in his DNA, man. Like, I just think he is going to do something stupid, like go for it on fourth and one from his own 35 in the first quarter and just torpedo any chance they have of 
making it a four quarter football game. I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't, I don't see it with them. And like, as we have talked about the, the, the pause I have is that they are situated from an offensive philosophy perspective with Quinshawn Judkins and with Jackson Dart and what they can do on the edge to, I think, give us some problems. The flip side of that is, are they going to do that for four quarters? I don't know, man. I just, I don't see it. I, I think this is a game where Georgia has a lot of juice. It's going to be at night. It's going to be a great atmosphere. It's going to feel like football weather on Saturday night. I think given that maybe or maybe not, the crowd wasn't as electric as it normally is against Mizzou last week. There have been some, uh, some people have talked about that. I wasn't there, so I, I don't know one way or the other. Uh, I think it is going to be a very raucous crowd uh, between the hedges. I don't know, man. I, I think this is one of those games where it's going to feel like the lights are bright, and I feel like the dogs play better when that happens. So, yeah, man, I, I like them with this number. If you if we were 13 and a half, somewhere in there, I might go with Ole Miss to cover, but I, I like them at 10 and a half. I, I, I'm going to roll with the dogs. I'm going to take the dogs too. I think that it's kind of a statement game. Um, yeah. And I, I feel like last week, I feel like, I feel like these, like we've talked about, this is the fourth quarter, four quarters of the season, Florida, yeah. Mizzou, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Georgia always plays better in the second half this year. So third quarter, third quarter specifically. Yeah. And, I feel like this is kind of a step on the throat type situation. And I feel like once we see that, it's going to just, I feel like they're going to come out with their hair on fire. And I just don't know if Ole Miss is equipped to withstand an onslaught from a team like Georgia. Yeah. Because when they played Alabama, Alabama wasn't what Alabama is right now. Played Alabama at the beginning of the season. They didn't get the onslaught in the first half. They got it in the second half. And once they got punched in the mouth, they wilted. Are they going to be able to stand up to a punch in the mouth in the first half? I don't think so. And I think that this could be the type of situation where they get punched in the mouth early and they wilt and they just, they don't, they aren't the type of team that's built, even though they can score. They, you would think an old Elaine a team can score quickly because they put up a lot of points. They really aren't built that way because of their running game. So, Mm-mm. I feel I don't feel like they're the team that can come back the way that they're built to if they get down, you know, 14, 21 points early, especially with a team like Georgia that can continue to chew clock and continue to score. So I think that I like the 10 and a half in this. I would I'm gonna lay it. I think the dogs cover. I don't think it's um relatively I think this is gonna be a less stressful game than last week. At least I hope it is for my blood pressure. So um <laughs> So go dogs. Let's uh let's you know get to that fourth quarter with Tennessee and let's take care of them next week in Knoxville. Yeah, man, I think the recipe for beating Georgia isn't much different this year than it's been the last three or four years. And that's you gotta turn us over and you gotta hit explosives. And I just don't know if Ole Miss is constructed that way. Uh, number one, we've done a really, really good job protecting the football. Like I have no idea what uh, also how bad were the announcers last week. Oh, it was my like, God. Ooh. that was bad. That I was mean, rough. I, I was sitting there watching it with Katie and I'm like, you guys are getting paid to do this. Like, did y'all do any research? Like, oh man, it was, it was bad. I mean, dude, I'm talking straight out the gate. What does Aaron Taylor come out hot with it? George has really struggled with turnovers this year. Have they, Aaron? <laughs> like, I don't know, man. It was, it was, it was bad. It was really, really bad. Um, so, yeah, I, they've done a nice job protecting the football, so I don't think Ole Miss is going to turn them over. I don't think we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot. And then if Ole Miss is wanting to have sustained drives and score on us that way, you know, I'm cool with that. I feel great about that because I think the more time we're on the field defensively, the more opportunity there is to make some type of defensive explosive. So, yeah, man, I just – I don't know. I, I like this matchup and how it sits. Um as we currently stand. So, yeah, 
I think it's going to be a, a good afternoon. I mean, a good evening to be a dogs fan and set up for a, another big matchup in that fourth quarter. Plus man, dogs been probably best third quarter team in the country. What are they outscoring opponents? Like 110 to 13 or something like that in the third quarter. So something like third that. quarter, which has really been the, game, for the past three years. Yeah. Great third quarter team, which I love. So, all right, homie. Well, it's going to be an outstanding week. Uh, my kids have zero activities tomorrow, so I literally get to plant all day and take it all in. I am capital J-A-C-K-E-D, jacked <laughs> up about that. Uh, so, yeah, man, we'll be texting a ton. And um, let us know what y'all think as well. And until we see y'all next week, go dogs. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.